What up, what up? Welcome to GNT. Today, on, hey guys, on today's show, we're going to be dealing with autonomous vehicles, virtual reality in the NBA, and Drake has a new show on Netflix. Let's get it open. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives, Geek Nerd Tech. Oh. Yeah. Yo, welcome to Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech, me and the place to be. Today is just me, man, Akili Shine in the building, unfortunately. My partner, co-host Joe Braswell, is out. Um, I think he's under the weather, so we wish him well and a speedy recovery. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. I was out last week on some travel business stuff, and I'm happy to be back to talk technology geek and nerd culture with you guys so hope everyone is great and doing well well we got a lot of stuff to cover today um we're gonna deal with some snapchat stuff um some nba tnt virtual reality stuff which i think is going to be pretty awesome um t-mobile is doing some pretty cool things um and yeah we're gonna cover some like i said some geek stuff we're dealing with the dark universe and universal output and um yeah drake has a new television show coming on netflix so got a lot of good stuff to cover but yeah let's get right into it so snapchat company that's been around since i think 2011 yeah, that's right yeah and i think they went through a huge major rebrand last year in 2016 they went public and they uh introduced one of their hot products called the spectacles which i thought from the beginning and me and joe would always have this banter i thought from the beginning that this was going to be a really terrible product but anyway um what they are saying now is that they want to make a move to start to pay some of their top content creators similar to how youtube um does it with a lot of their partners to incentivize obviously more people doing more things on the platform so a lot of these content creators have a huge audience and they want to be able to, you know, incentivize them by giving them an offering of monetization, giving them some of the ad revenue. So I think I think that's pretty smart. Um, I think it's a little late, but I think it's smart. So the CEO, um, Evan Spiegel, said that the company, you know, for like the last few years has neglected the creative community. And so this is a way that he can, you know, galvanize the people that are on his platform to help create and distribute the public stories that, you know, the Snapchat Snapchat audience is used to. And, you know, ultimately that will help make, you know, the platform a little bit more successful. You know, you give a little bit of that ad money to the people that support you the most, you know, they're going to continue to support you. They're going to continue to be on the platform and develop content and the audience will continue to be, you know, attached to that. So I think that, you know, the strategy is good for them to do that. Um, especially if they want to compete with the likes of YouTube and Twitter, Facebook. Um, but yeah, I think that's just an interesting, interesting dynamic. And we talk about, you know, social media and these platforms and just how you're able to make a living as a content creator. I know that YouTube, you know, they share their ad revenue once you have over 10,000 subscribers, I believe. So once you hit that mark, then you're able to take, I believe it's 40% of uh, whatever the ad revenue that's that's run. So let's see, you know, if Snapchat can compete and continue to sustain, um, you know, where they are. I mean, they have 178 million daily active users, which is pretty, pretty up there. But 
I will say that they have taken a turn this year in terms of their their reportings. Like the third quarter reporting is super low, um, and it actually sent their stocks back about twenty percent. And so you ask, well, why? Well, why did that happen? Like. Snapchat was was like almost a buzzword a year or two ago, and now like they're 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 losing money. Well, I kind of like hit it at the top. Like their big product launch was called the Snap Spectacles, where you know you put on these sunglasses and you were able to kind of have this um, this this virtual reality connected to your glasses. You could take photos and it would connect to your Snapchat. And they spent forty million dollars on this device, and if not more, but they've lost. Tons of money because of excess inventory reserves and people just aren't buying them. And then the cancellations, like people that have bought them are returning them. And so from launch, which which was about a year ago, they've only sold 150,000 units, which is not really a, a large outpouring. So because of that, you know, their stocks have tipped and dipped and slipped. And, yeah, I wonder if they have the ability to, you know, continue with this product or if they're going to kind of just scrap it all together and focus maybe on another offering. But, yeah, the virtual reality, augmented reality space is, is tricky. Like we, we covered this on this show a number of times when Google Glass, you know, launched the launch, when Google launched the Google Glass product. And that was just a terrible launch. Like no one no one really, you know, grasped hold to the content. The, the concept it was a little too advanced and so with the whole snap spectacles it's kind of leading in that same direction it's like people aren't getting it or it's not really useful or the price point is too high or it looks kind of like corny or it's gimm- it's just a gimmick but it's just not like gaining traction and so i wonder if snapchat like i said will be able to rebound from this or will they continue to you know evolve in the space of products hard products with their platform and then dealing with you know augmented reality it's just an interesting you know development with that i'm very surprised that they've lost such a considerable amount of of money in such a short amount of time so we'll see what they'll be able to do in the future but before we go on i want to shout out some of our, our cool partners vizio in this place to be um so I have to say, with the increasingly thin profile of home theater displays and TV screens, the built-in speakers have gotten much smaller. And so adding a soundbar brings like your favorite movies and televisions to life with awesome crystal clear audio and room-filling sound. And so Vizio is bringing forth their soundbar, which is powered by DTS technology, and it gives you an extraordinary sound experience. Um, it redefines your home theater with the Vizio 36-inch 2.1 soundbar system. And CNET's editor's choice in the first soundbar to earn five stars. So it's getting some really great reviews. Um, I've heard great things about the soundbar. Like I said, crystal clear audio. Make, it makes it makes you feel like you're really in the theater. And you're able to earn unbeatable savings when you combine the best deals of the year on displays with the soundbar. So I would definitely tell you guys to check out the Vizio soundbar. I think it's super, super, super fresh and um, just a great piece of technology to have in your home. So let's keep it moving and dig into this this story by uh, Warby Parker. And for those of you that don't know what that company is, they are the... Um, the online retailer that sells eyeglasses and sunglasses. And so what they've done, they've done some really cool stuff, especially um, now with the iPhone 10 launch. Before, what you could do when you go on Warby Parker is they'll take a picture of your face 
and they'll use that data to kind of recommend a style of glasses for you based on, you know, the curvature of your face. So they've taken it now like a step beyond that where you can use the iPhone 10 um, because it has a facial recognition. And so instead of it taking a photo and kind of putting the glasses on the photo, stitching it on the photo, now it's doing it literally in real time. So you can look, you can look within your phone and it's going to give, give you a virtual pair of glasses and put it on your face and you can see how it looks. You can move your face and it pretty much shows you how the gla- glasses look from a profile when you're looking straight into the camera. And I think that's a super cool way to use the technology um, that is offered in the iPhone. And I think we'll begin to see more, you know, app developers, you know, kind of like customize their product to be able to harness the facial recognition technology. But this is a really cool way of doing that. I mean, especially with people that, you know, wear glasses and you don't necessarily want to go into a brick and mortar and spend the time to travel there and put on glasses. Hey, you just pop open the app, you know, open up the facial recognition camera. Boom. Now you could try on these glasses and almost like you are in the store, literally putting on the glasses. I just think that's a super cool piece of technology. And so shout out to Warby Parker for doing that. Um, And, you know, I want to begin to research more, you know, app developers that are doing like cool stuff with the facial recognition. because I think that is definitely the future. Um, And yeah, we'll, we'll see more more about what that has to offer. You know what? Uh, hey, Kaylee, this is Marissa from the hey. You know, the great thing about Warby Parker is also they have this whole um, approach and model is if you buy a pair of glasses, they also give a pair. Right. Um, so, and, and they help a lot of people in the community who can't afford glasses. That's right. Um, at a very affordable price and, and for free. Um, so that they also have, they just have a great program. They do. I totally agree. I, I love companies like that that have like a, a high degree of social responsibility they're not just always like you know commerce facing like they want to have some type of social element to it and so like the offering that you just mentioned and just being more community centric and giving people access that don't have access is a a really great company that does that so thank you for bringing that up too um this is my favorite story of the day um because i'm a huge nba fan and i've worked um with the nba and for a few teams um, but Intel is partnering with Turner Sports to broadcast NBA on TNT games in virtual reality. And I think they've done this in a, in a few instances within the last two years, but now they're making, they're looking to make this more of a consistent thing and like really ramp up this as a medium and, and giving, you know, advertisers, content creators, the ability to harness content from, from what is being displayed with the NBA. So, um, yeah, they're, they want to make this a regular component of the NBA broadcast, aside from being able to watch it on television. For those of you that have the Samsung GR, Gear VR or the Google Daydream headset, all you have to do is download this VR app. It's called the Intel True VR technology. So you download the app and then you have to you know, provide like the authentic, authentic you have to put, put in the code for like whatever your cable is or satellite um, connection is. You put that code in, and then you're able to literally watch these games with the virtual reality. So um, you can watch it from multiple angles, like you're sitting courtside. You can watch it from if you're in the stands. You could even like look at it from a player's perspective, which I think is super fresh. So if you want it to be like on 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 the bench with the players, if you want it to be half court, like they're giving you all the, the the variability and diversity of angles to be able to really have an immersive experience of what's happening, you know, in these games. And I think like I know for a fact, social media-wise, NBA is like super innovative on how they deliver content to its fans, just in terms of like the different forms of storytelling they use and technology they use. This is another 
um, pathway for them to be able to connect with you know, audiences and give them just another experience of, of basketball. And you look at the other sports like, you know, NFL or MLB or NHL, like NBA is like destroying, you know, the space by far. Like they're killing it. Like, and I think it's the perfect sport for the medium because of the, obviously the size of, of the playing field and just what they're able to do in positioning cameras and be able to get the full coverage. Like, I think it's super dope, and like I'm, I'm really excited about it. I would love to actually even create in this space, but um, Will Funk, the vice president of Propriety Marketing and Corporate Partnerships, said it's much more active than watching television or even a game on a phone. The opportunities are much more dynamic for, for the brands. And so this is a perfect immersive medium to bring fans closer to the game, to give you know uh, brands opportunity to advertise, and I think it's groundbreaking. I think we'll begin to see more and more of this this technology used and fused with sports, um, like especially this year. So they're going to launch this heavy um, 2018. They're going to start with the All Star Game, and then you'll be able to continue from there. But man, like imagine like if you if you never went to a basketball game before and you're able to like literally have floor seats by just putting on the headset and it's like really immersive you can see literally all around you up down you can see the sweat on lebron's face like that's fresh man i think that's awesome because yeah. you're a big basketball fan exactly I'm a huge nba fan and i think for people like you said who never experienced it can see it up close and real time exactly that they're not paying that much for for that same experience so it, it pays out man think about actually buying the tickets to physically be there this right it'll equal out and it might even be cheaper exactly imagine like the doors that this opens to when it goes to the other sports like lmb and even football right like people go to the super bowl game in vr can you even exactly you can't afford that three thousand dollar ticket but you could you could afford to buy the headset yeah, I mean, I, I think, and we've, we've discussed this so much on the show, like, the different use of VR, and, like, especially in the entertainment industry. <clears throat> like, if you wanted to go to a concert and experience the concert from the stage, it's like the same type of type of thing we're talking about. Just, hey, the point of view is just way different. It gives just way more opportunity for you to, to see it from a different vantage point, a different perspective. So I, I love it. I want to shout out um, Vizio again because I think, you know, they are the awesome company. And, you know, especially with the increasingly thin profile of home theater displays and TV screens, the built-in speakers have gotten extremely smaller. And so adding a soundbar, it brings movies and television shows to life with crystal clear audio and room-filling sound. Like, it's it's changing the game, what, what's happening with technology and, and what we're able to do with just the audio experience. And Vizio Soundbar is, is, is ramping it up. And they are powered by DTS technology, and it's giving you an extraordinary sound experience. Like, literally, like you are in the orchestra. You are literally on the field of the game. You are literally in the theater, like, in your house, in your living room. It's totally redefining your home theater. And the Vizio 36-inch 2.1 soundbar system um, is getting mad love from a lot of a lot of reviewers. CNET's Editor's Choice. Um, it's one of the first soundbars to earn five stars. Like, it's really killing it. Um, so you're able to earn unbeatable savings when you combine, you know, our best deals of the year on displays and soundbars. And so Vizio is the soundbar of choice. I encourage all of you guys to go check it out. Here is a really interesting story that I came across um, came across my desk um, from Will I Am. Like we haven't really heard 
from him in a while in terms of music, but he's been busy cooking um, in the in the tech world. Um, he has a company called I Am, go figure, and he uh, has raised $117 million in venture capital. And he has this idea um, called Omega, and he wants to break into the corporate computing market where they harness the voice assistant to that help to help provide better customer service. So we're talking about the Cortanas, the Series, the Alexas, the Google Assistants, the Bixby's of the world. He wants to have Omega <clears throat> be the top dog. And so, hey, that's a hell of a lot of money that he's raised, and I'm 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 really interested to see if he'll be able to do something that's way more unique or innovative or more advanced than what a lot of these big boys have already done. Um, I do know that, you know, his line, um, his, his company, I am has developed um, a few like other products that haven't been as successful. Like, I know he's dropped a, a line of smartwatches and I think he's done um, some Bluetooth earbuds and both of those product launches didn't really do do that much. Um, so inter- I'm interested to see if, you know, he'll have more success in this space. And if his company can actually crack the code on, you know, the personal assistant um, computation, <clears throat> I think the market is highly saturated. So, you know, I, I wish him well. And I'm just interested to see if Omega will be kind of like ubiquitous like Siri is. We'll have to see. What do you think about that, uh, Marissa? Do you think that um, the, our, our dependency on voice assistants will, will increase or do you think it's kind of like a gimmick now? I think that the idea is good. Um, that it comes in handy when we actually need it. Say, like, if we're driving in a car. Right. Um, it, it's actually more convenient and, and a little bit more safer. Uh, I mean, not to, you know, uh, completely condone, you know, driving right. or texting or whatnot or using your phone at the same time. But it can help in si- certain situations when we when we really need it. Um, I don't think everyone, everyone's so used to doing everything on their own. Right. But it does come in handy when we when we can't do it on our own, so I it's I don't think it's used um, to its full extent and to the best of its ability, but I think it's getting there. Hey, I hear you. I agree with you on that completely. I definitely think it's getting there. And like I said, you know, kudos to Will I Am um, for diversifying himself and getting into this space. Like I think it's awesome that he's just even you know in in Silicon Valley, you know, raising this type of money. So hopefully he'll be successful with this. Um, but yeah, let's let's switch gears. Um, one of my favorite companies, um, Waymo, which is uh, a Google company, an Alphabet company. Um, Waymo is the autonomous vehicle division of, of Alphabet. And they, I believe, and I've always believed, they are the closest to cracking the code on autonomous vehicles being kind of u- ubiquitous and just like the, the normative in our society. Since mid-October, they have been operating um, autonomous vehicles um, minivans actually on public roads in Arizona without a safety driver or or any human in the vehicle, and so they've done it in a, in a very small part of the state. Um, but this is just proof. Like they've driven about I think almost three hundred million miles to like prove the, the the sustainability of these autonomous vehicles, and I think they are the closest to really like like I said cracking the code of making this like. Literally, like the the thing that we do and we experience all the time. So I know they've partnered with Lyft. They've partnered with a few um, rental, like like auto rental companies. Um, and the the company CEO John John Caffrick, 
um, has announced that they're going to be able to do this now in Central California, which I think will be cool. Um, and they're going to use a 91-acre facility kind of as a training course for itself driving, driving vehicles. Um, but I think, like I said, the future is the future is now. Like we we've been discussing this for about three years and think talking about, hey, yeah, in ten years we'll we'll have all these autonomous vehicles on the road. They're on the road now, and like they they've proven success. Um, and what they're able to do, like they're packed with these incredibly powerful sensors, and it gives you know each of the vehicles a 360 degree of the world, and so like it shoots out these layer la- lasers, excuse me, and it sees whatever objects are in front of them, on the side or in back of them. It sees it in 300, it sees it in, th- in three dimensions and, and up to 300 meters away, and so it also has like long range lasers and short range lasers, so it's able to to see like all the things that are approaching the vehicle and all the things that are f- far away from the vehicle, and so I think it's it's super cool. Like these lasers. And the, and the processors are faster at tracking things in the human eye. And so this is why, you know, people are saying that eventually, you know, with more testing, these vehicles could be safer than humans driving. And so I think having these type of case studies in Arizona and now in Central California will help kind of like make it easier, you know, for, for the, the, the legal elements of it to kind of like come, come to terms. And I think that's the only thing that's really holding it up, you know, being, being able to pass it in law. But I'm excited about being able to experience this in my time, just to hop into a hop into a Uber or a Lyft, and literally, there's not a steering wheel or a human in there, and it's driving me to my destination. I think that's just going to be phenomenal. Does this scare you, Marissa? It, it's a really cool notion. It is also very scary. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm just looking at this picture that we're you know promoting the class of remote right. driving cars. Is just you said that they tested multiple times and they've racked up hundreds of miles but right. my question is where the locations are they actually testing them are they testing them in the desert when there's nothing to <laughs> worry about of their driving environment or right. are they testing them on empty roads but still racking that like oh we we've driven them miles right but with literally nothing around them so they're not worried about hitting things but my only question is because they don't have the human instinct of if something happens do you hit a person or do you hit an, a moving object? Right. You know, it doesn't have that thinking capability of what's more important if it needs to stop or break or if it hits something. You know? Right. It's it's cool that technology has advanced so much to this point, but it's also very scary if we trust things to take that full control over it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that that's one thing that that I've always kind of like questioned, like the ethical elements of it. Because, yeah, like it has the technology, it has the computational ability to assess a situation, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best ethical choice. And we talked about if there's like a baby or a child crossing the road versus like something else, like will it know, like, okay, it will avoid hitting the, the child and maybe run into the tree? Or like how will it make those, those computational decisions that require a sense of ethics? And so, I mean, I think that those are things that, Obviously, we'll have to explore as as the technology gets better. Uh, but um, I mean, I, like I said, I think it's here, and I think we have to get used to it because it's going to be in our lifetime where it's going to be the normative thing. So, but yeah, let's get into some uh, some popular culture stuff. Um, and I'm laughing because um, me and Joe discussed this like a while back a while back about Universal's plan for the Dark Universe and how they wanted to kind of build out you know various you know monster film properties to kind of compete against like you know the marvel and dc universes 
And my goodness, like they had this photo that had all, you know, Tom Cruise and like all all these like really A-list actors and they were like saying, Hey, this is gonna be something really huge for Universal. We're gonna we're gonna really destroy this space and bring back, you know, some of the favorite classic, you know, legacy movies like The Bride of Frankenstein. Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula, Frankenstein, um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Invisible Man, and Phantom of the Opera. And The Mummy dropped, and it did not you know, bring in huge box office smash numbers, smashing numbers. It had disappointing reviews. Um, the ticket sales were super low. And so because of that, like Universal is kind of recoiling and saying, you know what, maybe this isn't the best idea. Maybe we can't compete with Marvel and DC. Um, maybe we shouldn't develop this, you know, f- monster universe. <laughs> and so all uh, of their ideas that they were so hot about in May have been put to a halt. And I think the studio is realizing that, you know, it takes a lot to develop, you know, an overarching franchise. and It's not an easy prospect to kind of bring to market. And yeah, like these legacy films, these classic films are classic. But they they got they might they must require a little bit more strategy um, to bring them to light because people weren't really feeling the mummy. Did you watch the mummy, Marissa? I did, and I I wasn't the biggest fan of it also. But I think what you know Universal and uh, that they, they did they put themselves in a humongous hole right before they even released the film. Right. They wanted to create a universe, and they had this high expectations, like, oh, we're going to create a universe before they even created it. Exactly. And I think that's what Marvel and DC did so well, is that they already had the stories and the characters and the movies and TV shows already set and created. They had so much content that they had to put it under an umbrella. Therefore, that's why they created the MCU universe. And they, they already had the content out there, then they bunched it and put it and slapped the label over that is in the universe. That's exactly right. And what they did is that they created a universe before they even had anything out there. So, so it's cart before horse, they right? They were fighting against themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was actually super hyped about this when we first discussed it months back, but ah, like I was disappointed in The Mummy as well. But man, like Russell Crowe, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, like Javier Bardem, Sophia Butella, like those are some really cool names. Like, I would, I would have loved to see, you know, them, th- they bring. I would love to see them bring that those those properties to light. But unfortunately, we may not see it. But hey, it's all good. Um, Marvel's still killing it, and <laughs> that is all we have with that one. That's all we need. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I just want to shout out one more time um, my my peoples at Vizio um, because, like I said, they are really killing the game with you know their soundbar technology and especially with the increasingly thin profile of home theater displays and television screens. Like the built-in speaker um, has gotten much smaller, and so adding a soundbar it brings like your movie experience and your television experience to a whole another different level, like crystal clear, sharp. Um, just crisp audio and room filling like sound like it just provides for you kind of like that immersive experience when you're when you're watching it in your living room so the Vizio sound bars are powered by DTS technology giving you an extraordinary sound experience and so 
you are able to like literally redefine your home theater with the Vizio 36-inch 2.1 sound bar system. And it's, it's gotten like really great reviews. Um, CNET's Editor's Choice. Um, it's one of the first sound bars to earn five stars. Like people are raving about this sound bar. Um, and I think, you know, you can earn unbeatable savings when you combine, you know, our best deals of the year on displays and sound bars. And Vizio is killing it in this space. Um, like, I, I think everyone needs to at least check it out and, and, and do some more research on it. But they are really smashing it. You know what I think would help save the Mummy movie? If they watched it on a Vizio. TV. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's so terrible. <laughs> so, uh, Marissa, your boy Drake. Um, is actually reviving one of his favorite television shows, Top Boy, which was a British crime drama that aired on Channel 4 in the UK. Um, it only oh, went two seasons. Come on. <laughs> exactly right. It only went two seasons and it ended in 2013. But he loved the show so much that he wanted to bring it back to life. And so he teamed up with LeBron James. Um, and they went to Netflix and got some of this Netflix money. And so the third season is going to actually pr premiere on that platform in 2019. But I think it's super cool that, um, you know, Drake is diversifying himself and getting into the, you know, the television and movie business as a, as an executive producer. I know that he is developing or he has already developed, um, a, a documentary film on Vince Carter called the, the, the Vince, the Carter effect. Um, and I think that it, it premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. So he's doing documentaries. He's doing scripted. Like, it's just interesting to see him kind of take like this this uh, this new approach to, you know, being being creative other than being a musician. So I love it. Um, did you ever watch Top Boy? I did not. Know, okay. But it sounds great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Like it, it it's kind of a show that 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 deals with the, the I guess the, the lives of. Um, these, these group of guys that are involved in a lot of you know street activity, and it explores like how drugs ha has an effect on the whole community. But it, it takes it from multiple points of view, uh, from the person that's selling drugs to the person that's using the drugs to the person that's kind of like like affected by the whole whole you know ecosystem of it. It's just an interesting take, and I think th I think it's very um, specific to like UK culture, street culture, and that's what makes it really interesting and, and fresh. So. I look forward to seeing this, you know, um, birthed again on Netflix in 2019. Shout out to uh, to Drake. <laughs> sounds great. And Netflix has, you know, the production and <clears throat> capability to make it a really great show. I think they did a great job with Narcos that, you know, deals a lot in the Colombian drugs and, and all that. So they, if they have a good show and good content, then they're going to do an amazing That's right. production. That's so. right. Absolutely. So this is something that, you know, I've, I've heard for a, a few weeks now. Um, but then when I saw the article kind of land on my desk, I was like, oh, this is crazy. But um, I do a lot of work for 20th Century Fox. And the article that I read was saying that Disney, um, which already owns Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, ESPN, now has an interest in buying 20th Century Fox. And that would include the film rights to Marvel's X-Men and the Fantastic Four properties. And so Disney is interested in, in buying this because obviously to have all of that under the same roof would be hot, highly profitable for them. And they would be able to exercise, you know, whatever storytelling creativity they wanted without any restrictions because they would own everything. And it would just further expand, you know, their ability to make 
gobs and gobs of money. So this is in talks. It's not confirmed, but it's something that could potentially happen. Um, Disney wouldn't purchase everything from 20th Century Fox. Everything from 20th Century Fox. They would only purchase, like I said, the film rights. So they would leave alone the news, sports, and local broadcast affiliates. But to be able to have that in their cadre and war chest, I think would be crazily huge um, for them. And then for us fans, like to be able to have X Men, you know, blended in with, you know, all the other Marvel stuff, I think is what we all really want anyway. And because of the fact that, you know, Disney doesn't own these properties, they're unable to like fully exploit them in, in the in the way that they want. So I think this will be a huge move for them if they're able to get this done. And I just I think that's highly interested. Interesting. So um Again, I just want to show some love to, to Vizio um, because I think they're really doing some uh, really innovative things, um, especially in the, the, the home theater space um, with you know television screens and just different theater displays and the fact that built-in speakers have gotten extremely small. You know, adding a sound bar you know, brings movies and TV shows to life with like incredibly crystal clear audio. And room filling sound, it makes you feel like you're really immersed in whatever you're watching. And Vizio, the Vizio soundbar is powered by uh, DTS technology, and it gives you an extraordinary sound experience. Like it literally puts you in the environment. Um, it's one of the best soundbars that has come to market. And you're able to redefine your home theater with the Vizio 36 inch 2.1 soundbar system. Like, like I'm just gonna keep it real with you. They've gotten like major reviews. Um, they've gotten like the ratings are off the chain. CNET's Editor's Choice. Um, they were one of the first sound bars, I believe, earned five stars. Like they are extremely killing it right now. And so you're able to earn unbeatable savings when you combine, you know, our best deals of the year on displays with the sound bar. And again, the Vizio 36 inch 2.1 sound bar system is hot, and y'all need to go get that. All right, so switching gears, and we're almost about to wrap, but I thought this story was really, really cool. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Lynn um, Miranda. And for those of you who do not know who that is, that is my man who created Hamilton, um, the hit Broadway musical. He is going to do a three-week run in the hurricane-devastated Puerto Rico. Um, yes, he's Puerto Rican, and I think it's awesome that he's going to bring this culturally shifting groundbreaking property to his homeland and to help kind of like bring awareness to what's happening in Puerto Rico because of the hurricane and help raise money and just give like a really awesome cultural experience there for the people living there. Um, he said when he first started um, Hamilton that he it, it, was, it was a dream of him to be able to bring um, Hamilton to the island of Puerto Rico and the fact that he's able to do that now um, like you said, it's a dream come true. So the show is going to open um, top of the year, um, January, excuse me, not top of next year, but two years, January 2019. Um, and he hopes that, you know, getting behind, um, getting behind Puerto Rico in this way will help, you know, help the country recover and help, you know, bring more um, help bring the economy back and make it stronger than ever. I know that he was extremely vocal about, um, Donald Trump's um, approach to Puerto Rico. Um, so I know that he has has a strong love for Puerto Rico, Puerto Ricans, and I, I love the fact that he's using something that he 
created as a, as a vehicle to help bring change and help bring comfort to people that are suffering. So I think that is pretty, pretty cool. I think that's brilliant. And Lin-Manuel, Manuel, I mean, he's an amazing person. And the fact that he can like, reinvigorate Puerto Rico after the devastation that they just went through. Exactly. It, it gives them something, the whole country something positive to look forward to. And it brings more, hopefully, it'll bring more revenue back to that country that they so need. Right. 100%. And they definitely, definitely need it. So um, shout out to, to Puerto Rico and sending well wishes to all the people there. Um, well, yeah, um, we're about to wrap up the show. But before we go, I just wanted to shout out Vizio one more time because they are fantastic. Um, and we all know, like, with the increasingly thin profile of home theater displays and television screens, like the built-in speaker um, has gotten extremely smaller. And so what we're able to do with sound technology, audio technology, is, is like like super advanced. So adding a sound bar that brings movies and television shows and even your gaming experience to life, which is amazing audio, like crystal clear, sharp, just like just totally like what the heck am I listening to? Room filling sound. Um, and the Vizio soundbar is powered by DTS technology and it gives you an extraordinary sound experience. Like literally like you are like in the game, like you are in what, whatever you're watching is like you're right there. Um, it's totally immersive um, and it, it feels like literally real. So you're able to redefine your home theater experience with a Vizio 36 inch 2.1 soundbar system. And like this product is like really, really like getting some 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 great reviews. Like it's getting a lot of a lot of accolades, and just people are are really feeling it. Like CNET's Editor's Choice, um, it was one of the first sound bars to earn five stars. Like they're really killing it. Um, so you're able to earn unbeatable savings when you combine our best deals of the year on displays and sound bars. And shout out to Vizio, they are fantastic. The sound bar is fantastic, and I encourage everyone to go check it out. Um, but I think that's going to wrap for us today. I enjoyed um, rapping with you guys. Um, and y'all can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Akili Shine, A-K-I-L-I-S-H-I-N-E. Um, shout out to Joe Braswell. Hopefully we'll both be back next week. And, um, yeah, this is Geek Nerd Tech, and we will see you guys next week. Peace out. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.